Happy Easter, Shore Church. He is risen. Woo! Jesus is alive. I'm so excited. I was telling someone that my favorite day is Sunday, but my favorite, favorite day is Easter Sunday because this is the resurrection of Jesus. If you're a believer in here, this is your most exciting day. This is a day that millions of people right now are worshiping Jesus as God because of this day, because of what we celebrate, namely Jesus rose from death. It is the most well-known and celebrated miracle in the history of the world. And I'm just really excited. How many of you, if you heard good news, you know, like the gas prices dropped by like even 10 cents would be good news. Or, you know, the kegs handing out gift cards, you would want to know this. Is it true? Right? When we hear good news, what's the first thing we want to know? Hey, is that true? Well, this is so exciting because the big idea today is Jesus Christ is not true because he changes lives. He changes lives because he's true. The resurrection really happened, and I'm really excited for us to get excited about the resurrection. That's our big idea as we go into the Gospel of Matthew. They really saw him. They really saw someone risen from death. It's the only way that we can explain the historical data of the rise of the early church, what God's doing today. There's no shrine to go to. Just so you know, if you're a, kind of a skeptic in here, really glad you're here. Maybe someone invited your, your friends of them or a family member and you're not a Christian. I wanna just help you see that Christianity isn't just helpful, but it's helpful because it's true. Do you know that in every major religion, you can go to the burial site of the founder of the prophet. You can't find a shrine for Jesus Christ because there isn't one. Do you know that the greatest holidays you celebrate are centered around this man? This man changed calendar history. He changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. Dead men don't do that. Something happened in the first century that made them go, this is true. Everything Jesus did is true. Even Paul, so Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. He says this to a letter to non-Christians who are just becoming Christians. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And then he says, and your faith is in vain. And if Christ, verse 17, has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, if we're only Christians because this is all we get, let's have a God here to make us feel good. He's like, you're just to be pitied. What's he saying? He's saying this is really important. If you're a Christian or not a Christian, everyone in here. He's saying Christianity is completely and totally based and contingent on a historical fact, a miracle, the resurrection. And this is Easter. That's why I'm so excited to teach this, okay? I'm gonna yell the, maybe not the whole time. I'll pray I, I calm down. Thomas Arnold, he's a professor of modern history at Oxford, writes, no one fact in the history of mankind is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort than the fact that Christ died and rose from the dead. Yale professor William Lyon Phelps said, in the whole story of Jesus Christ, the most important event is the resurrection. It's amazing, sure, church, Jesus isn't true. Again, he's not just helpful because we found something that works and now we feel accepted and forgiven. We have all he has. We have acceptance before the Father. We have forgiveness of sins. We will have bodies that are unbreakable. There will be a day when there's no more sin, brokenness, sadness, 
evil or pain because of this man coming out of the grave physically, bodily knew. They knew, the early church knew when that event happened, that was gonna happen to them. They could sell everything they had. They weren't afraid of death because they were like, we're gonna be able to eat fish and walk through doors. That's what Jesus did. And he really rose because that's how we explain everything we have, our own spiritual resurrection and the history of Christianity. So I'm gonna pray I calm down, but... I also want you to pray because we're gonna get into Matthew. Uh, We're gonna finish at least the, the the verses of this book before we pick it again up next week. But I want you to pray this, Holy Spirit, will you get me excited about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Put it in me so that when I leave here, I need to tell others this is true even for them. Because if Christianity, if, if the resurrection happened, it's true for all people. This means Jesus really is the son of God. He's not just a human being. If the resurrection happened, everyone needs to hear this good news. And so we're gonna pray, get me excited. Second, if if you're not a Christian or you're a skeptic, and you know what? I would just encourage you, try praying. Say, Jesus, if you're really God and my friend's weird, but I might, it might be true. Will you at least help me listen? Give me spiritual resurrection, okay? You're gonna pray that, I'll pray, and then we'll go. Okay, you guys pray. Oh, Father, as we come into this passage and read of the hours of those who came and saw the tomb empty, we are on this side of history. We, we feel the power of that real moment and that real day. And uh, Lord, as we, we're gonna baptize later, you are alive. You're making us spiritually new because it's true. And I pray Holy Spirit, you would help us come and see the evidence. You would help us feel the energy that they felt when they saw someone perfectly bodily, holy, Jesus Christ, but totally new. And they knew everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did was gonna come true. So I pray we would feel that this morning. Some of us haven't been to church in a long time. Some of us, we're just so focused on all these different things that the resurrection is, is hardly ever in our deepest hopes and convictions and joys when we're around others. I know it's the same for me. So I just pray like you have in my week this week that you would today in a, in a miraculous 30 to 40 minute message by your spirit, change people, change us because it's true. And I pray you'd help me calm down and I just, I pray you'd help me teach Holy Spirit. Give me the gift of teaching. Manifest through this. And I pray if there's someone in here who needs a word or an encouragement, or if you have a word for us as a church, that we would hear from you. And just be with us now as we unpack this wonderful passage. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so we're gonna begin in Matthew 27, verse 57, and we're gonna read uh, to the end of chapter 28. Uh, but to help you follow, I wanna highlight three reactions of the resurrection that we see in this passage, at least I wanna point out. There's so much here, but uh, the first is, is, is the resurrection invites us to come and see. It invites, invites us to see the evidence. How do we know this is true? Well, this story will show you this is the first invitation. You wanna know, did this really happen? Second, it invites you to go and tell. Again, like I said, if, if it's real, it means there's implications for everyone. So we need to go and tell. This is exciting. The kingdom of heaven is true. It's in Jesus. He is God. And then number three, if he did rose from dead, they worshiped him as God. 
And so these are the three reactions that we see at the resurrection, all right? So that's where we're gonna go. First one, come and see. Let's begin in verse 57. By the way, if you're brand new, we're just gonna read Bible, unpack, read Bible, unpack. That's what we're gonna do, okay. So when it was evening, this is Friday night, there's three bodies that have come off the three crosses where the crucifixion took place, including Jesus. We read, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him and Joseph took the body and he wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and he laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb. Okay, just so we know, this is a detail that would have been read even by those eyewitnesses who would have saw the resurrection. The earliest manuscripts we have that describe the gospels is only 30 to 50 years after this event. We have the gospel of Mark for that. And so you would have seen, they would have, I point that out, it's because they would have known the details of this passage. They would have known, oh, Joseph of Arimathea. They would find him. They could go look for Joseph's relatives and be like, where's the tomb? Moreover, the emphasis here is, is Matthew's just trying to help you see that Jesus was buried. He was buried in a tomb. After he was crucified by professional executioners, they know what they're doing. They've done this a lot. He had a spear punctured into his heart sack. It bled out and he is thoroughly dead. He's then wrapped in what scholars would say is upwards of a hundred pounds of linen and spices. Matthew's just setting us up. Jesus had a burial. He had a burial. And at this point in church history, this is the saddest day, the most devastating day for them in that moment. It's hopeless, but here's why. They were like, this was our leader. This was our guy who was gonna bring us to the father. We trusted in him. We, we couldn't believe that he's now dead. We thought at least with the Jews, he'd come off the cross and be like, ha ha, boom, suckers. Boom, 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 boom. Like, you know, like an Avengers movie, but he doesn't, he's dead. All of our hopes were in Jesus. And now all of our hopes are gone. And you can see these women, they're there, they're sad. But Matthew's going, dun, 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 dun. he's setting something up. He wants you to see something. Why? Why is he doing it this way? Why is he sharing this detail? Here's why. The very, the very person that they thought was dead was dead. What do you, what, okay, that's obvious. What do you mean? If the disciples saw or thought they saw someone they took to be Jesus or that he was alive in their hearts, that would not by itself have produced the stories we have today. Are you with me on that? So for example, like some of us have lost loved ones and that's really hard. And there'll be times like real times in our lives where we'll actually have like almost like a supernatural experience where we'll feel, you know, like they've recently seized, like they were with me that day in the park, or maybe you'll have a dream about them. And, and, and just, you know, in the Jewish culture and day, that wasn't strange. They would have dreams and, and, and experiences like that, but they had a word for that. And guess what it wasn't? It wasn't resurrection. It wasn't resurrection. Resurrection in the first century meant someone physically, thoroughly dead, becoming physically and thoroughly alive again. And more than that, it's not simply 
resuscitation or surviving or, or, a, or a spiritual awakening. They knew this word resurrection meant totally new, totally bodily. This is what Matthew wants to just begin, you know, like a good trance song. He's gonna show us. Okay, so the story continues. So the chief priests, they come and they're like, hey, the disciples, they're not even around, which is interesting. Uh, the chief priests come and they're like, hey, the rumor was he told them that he would rise again. Let's make sure they don't come and steal the body. And so they literally go to Pilate and say, can we get, can we get guards around this tomb in case the disciples come? And here's what Pilate says in verse 65. You have guards, soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. No one's coming in. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard, okay, then it happens. This is, the, this is when the trance song breaks. You know what I'm talking about? So this is chapter 28, verse one. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, that's a Sunday. We worship Jesus when? On a Sunday, something happened. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Do you know why they went to see it? Because they know where it is. They knew where it was. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel. Here's the funny story. So I've been in an earthquake and I was in Southern Indiana. We were sleeping. It's it like our first year of marriage. And uh, all of a sudden there's an earthquake and everything's shaking. And because we're in Indiana, I think a tornado is just tearing up the side of the building. So I'm, I literally, I don't know, Nikki probably can make fun of me, but I was like rolling in the bed, not sure what to do. She got right into the doorway. She knew what it was. I go to the, like, I go to the window and I rip it open, expecting just like, it's happening. Twister's coming true. Birds are like, it's like sunny. I'm like, what? She's like, it's an earthquake, idiot. Okay, there's an earthquake. It has nothing to do with the sermon. Just I know what this feels like. Uh, verse three, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white, clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. You're not gonna get his bones here. You're not gonna find his body here. He's not here. You're not gonna find a dead corpse here. Why? Because he has risen as he said, and then the angel says, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead. Okay, so here's the first invitation to come and see. The resurrection comes with an invitation. We wanna invite you to come and see. Now, let me just, a uh, little side note here. Time Magazine, a few years ago, did an article called, Can We Still Believe in Miracles? And here's what the writer says. If these were fabrications, like the gospels, so if we made up the gospels, if these were fabrications, they were the stupidest fabrications in history. The first eyewitnesses of the resurrection were women. Do you realize, quote, women were of such low estate in that society and culture that their testimony was not admissible in court? Therefore, if you're gonna write a document and you're gonna make up a story to try to show that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, you would never have women by be the first eyewitnesses, never. You'd be killing yourself. Well then, why are all of the documents saying women were the first people Jesus appeared to? Why? Because it happened, he rose. Okay, back to the invitation. So I wanna say this, notice the angel doesn't just say, you know what, go and tell, go, go. He doesn't. He doesn't say, hey, you know what, just believe, believe this has happened. Just take, take my word, close your eyes, have blind. You just go, just believe in your heart, he rose, go. He doesn't, he goes, no, no, no. He's like, come and see. Just so you know, there's lots of religions and sects and, and other worldviews that will say, 
uh, you know, you just have to believe this. You just have to come and, you know, you, you just have to take it into your heart. Take it into your heart. It works for me. And then if you say, what's the evidence? They're like, well, you don't really need evidence. Just, it worked for me. It's just, it's ha- you know, you just got to let your soul feel it, right? Matthew never does that. Christianity doesn't do that. The angel doesn't do that. He invites them. He's like, come and see where he lay. Come see the empty tomb. There's grave clothes. There's real evidence. In Luke's gospel, we read that Peter runs in after she gets him and sees the linen cloths lying there by themselves. Even more, the angel then invites them to the greatest evidence. And let me, I'm gonna point this out to you in in a few different ways. This is the greatest evidence. Namely, verse seven, and behold, he, Jesus, is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. You're gonna see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear. Ah, we just saw an angel. And Jesus is alive. This changes everything. Great joy. They're running. Tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met with them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. So this changes everything for them. If Jesus rose, it proves he's not just a human being. He really is the son of God. He really is their Messiah. See, Christianity says, essentially, the son of God came to earth, died on a cross for, to pay for our sins, to bring us into the presence of the father, to come and know the father. That's what it says. And you might be thinking, well, that's an interesting claim. Other religions have claims. Like there's other religions that say, this is the way to God. How do you know it's true? The resurrection, the resurrection. This is the only way we can explain what happened in the birth of Christianity. They really did see and talk with someone who gave the very appearance of being solidly and physically Jesus. It's, this is amazing. Mary grabs his feet. He eats fish. Thomas gets to place his hand in his side. Paul tells us this, okay? If you're like, well, that's, you know, cool. Look at this evidence. In 1 Corinthians 15, 5, he says this. Then he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of them who are still, what's our word? They're still alive. He's like, you can go and examine these eyewitnesses. 500 people can't pull off a hoax that big. You would think at least if 500 were like, hey, just say you saw him, just say you saw him, just say. One of them seemed like, you know what, we didn't. 500 people. It's, it's awesome. So when, when Paul is standing before Agrippa, we have, we have like eyewitness records of this happening and, and the kings being at the right time and all that. So he's standing before uh, the King Agrippa, who's a Jewish king of, of the Roman at that time and a, and a, and a Roman governor named Festus. And they have him on trial and they're like, come tell us what you believe. Why are you creating all this uproar? And it's incredible because uh, Agrippa grew up as a Jew. And so he would have known. So, so Paul's like, he's explaining Jesus really is the Messiah. He fulfills all the sacrifices. His death on the cross was the sacrifice that forgives us. And then he says this sentence, look what he says. He says, for the king knows about these things. And to him, I speak boldly for I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice for this has not been done in a corner which means like the resurrection of Jesus wasn't just this made up thing. The ancient world was blowing up at the time because they saw a man risen from death. He's like, this is not done in a little hole. You know about this. 
whole cities are changing because they saw this man. He's basically saying to him, cross-examine, bring in the witnesses, give me a dead body, show me Jesus. He's like, Agrippa, you know it's happened. You know it's true. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says, we could cope, the world could cope with a Jesus who ultimately remains a wonderful idea inside his disciples' minds and hearts. The world cannot cope with a Jesus who comes out of the tomb, who inaugurates God's new creation right in the middle of the old one. Okay, now, I'm pumped. My heart isn't to like, you know, say, see, like I proved the resurrection and Christianity is true, but my heart is to strengthen your faith and ground it in the same truths of those who changed the world upside down. And, and if you're a skeptic in here, I wanted to say like, I'm so glad you're here. Like we all at one point didn't, believe in Jesus. We all had questions about, is this really true? We still do. But I wanted to share this with you because I don't want you to miss on, out on Jesus because you've been told by a professor somewhere who has more degrees than Fahrenheit that none, you know, like you should read the Zeitgeist and all. It's, this really happened. And I want you to show you there's evidence because here's the thing, you have to be able to explain the resurrection. Like, I want to show you what Matthew and the other New Testament writers base their intellectual certainty on, namely, in the only historical data that explains the early church is that this man was raised. So let me say this too. If Jesus rose from the dead, then it means he is who he says he is even for you. If this thing happened, you have to take everything he says. If, but if the resurrection isn't true, you don't have to believe anything that Christians believe. And you're like, this is a, you guys do community fine, it's great. But if he is true, you're, you're betting a lot of your life and future on it. Now, here's what I wanna say. If it's true, the implications are spiritually impactful and eternally impactful for you. meaning this, the Bible teaches Jesus was dying for our wrongs. The Bible teaches that Jesus was dying for our rebellion, our rebellious hearts towards God, the way we've pushed God out of our lives. Anytime we've thought, I don't want to obey my conscience. I want to do what I want. Anytime you've run over someone or have been self-centered or shouldn't or didn't do something you should have for every attitude, every thought that was sinful against your wife, against your friends, against your family, Jesus was dying on the cross. And so how do we know when he died on the cross that it, that wasn't just a wonderful example? As one put it, how do we know it satisfied the justice of God? How do we know it actually accomplished our salvation? How do we know it really paid for all our sins, the resurrection? Paul says, if Christ wasn't raised, you don't know if he was the son of God. But Paul says, if Christ was not raised, you have no idea whether he paid for our sins. If Christ was not raised, then all of Christianity falls apart. But if the resurrection is a historical fact, then it all comes together. Jesus Christ is not true because he changes lives. He changes lives because he's true. And I would just invite you to come and see 
to have to do something with this, this impacts everyone. If you were before a court and there was a law that they were holding you guilty for and you said to him, the, the judge, oh, I don't believe in that law. He'd be like, hmm. You're, you're gambling a lot. At least search it out. Second, re, second reaction, story continues. Feel the energy of, of Jesus risen in this passage. So look at verse seven. They'll be on the screen for you as well. Verse seven, the angel's like, go quickly. Okay, this is, go, it's urgent. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there you will see him. Verse 18, Jesus is with his disciples and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, this is as you're going, go as you go, make disciples. A disciple someone who follows someone else, disciples of Jesus of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you because it's all true. It'll change your life when you obey it. And behold, he says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We go, the disciples were going because this was inaugurating a new kingdom. We go because Jesus is going. You're in this room because Jesus has gone before you and he raised up someone else to tell you what he's done for you. And that's what we get to do. This is what the resurrection compels us to do. We go and we share. Jesus' resurrection meant sins defeated. The grave's defeated. He's conquered it. And when you receive him, you have everything he has. Here's how, here's how uh, Peter, who was like terrified, denied Jesus. He was always... You know, Peter, uh, after Jesus rises from death, this guy completely changes. He's ready to die for him. He's super bold on a way to go worship at the temple. A guy, he senses the Holy Spirit say, you're gonna heal this guy. He does. All the chief priests are like angry and they're like, what are you doing? You can't just heal people. And he's like, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. And listen to what he says. He says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, speaking to the chief priests, the elders who crucified Christ, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation because they believe salvation came from obedience to the law, being good. Most of your neighbors and the people you work with think they'll get to heaven by being good. They believe that they're gonna one day go, you know what, God's not that mean and he's not gonna, I did some good things. That's what they believe. That's what the, that's what the religious people did as well. God's, God's gonna overlook anything that, I've, I've ignored him my whole life and he, that won't matter to him at all. I've, you know, so that's what they believe. And he says this, and there's salvation because he needs them to know this. There's not salvation in obedience. There's not salvation in you fixing up your life and pulling up your bootstraps and trying harder. There's not salvation in no one else. If the resurre resurrection happened, that means it's true. For there is no other name under heaven among men 
by which we must be saved. So let me explain this. So when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he's always been God. Okay, the, new, the Bible teaches that God is one God who exists in three persons, which means the second member, Jesus, has all, always existed. But when he came down and he died in our place for our sin, the authority over forgiveness and bringing us into relationship with God is his. It's his. Satan can't go, look at how guilty they are. Look at their badness. Jesus is like, I already paid for that. I have it. I can bring them in. I'm the only one who can save. So that's what he says. There's salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given among men, which me must be saved. He says, there's no other name. Let me, let me say this. If someone discovered the cure for cancer, we'd know about it. It would be on like the front page of every magazine. This would be such good news. If you take this into your body, the very thing that's killing you will be gone. And this is what the resurrection produced. In the early church, they were like, this is the cure to your cancer spiritually. It's here. They were like, we gotta get this out. Put it on parchment paper. That's called the New Testament. And we gotta let, we, they were like, we gotta go. This is real. Same with, if we found the cure to cancer, it would be everywhere. This was the energy of those on that day and should be the energy in our hearts. And here's, here's amazing. They... They believed, okay, most people here, okay, you can raise your hand if we can get a little, it's hot in here. Anyone else hot? Um, uh, they, they believed in life after death. Some of them didn't, but, so, but we would too. Did you know that resurrection wasn't even in their mind? They knew there was a resurrection life after death that when you died, you'd go be with the Lord, but that's not what Jesus does. Just so you know, when you die, you go into the presence of God because what does Jesus say to the thief who believes in him that night? He says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Resurrection is life after life after death, which means you're present with the God. We don't know what that looks like, but you're with him, but you don't have a resurrected body. There's coming a day when Jesus returns and it says the dead in Christ will be raised and you will have physical bodily, unbreakable taste buds. Just, you know, an apple is gonna taste better every day. You're gonna be like, oh, this one's so good. Next day, I don't know if you're gonna sleep, but anyways, next day, this one's even better. And it's just gonna keep getting better. You're gonna have new physical bodies. This is what they saw. They thought, even some of them, if you read the letters, they thought that was already happening. They were like, this is new bodies, but then they'd fall and break a knee or something. It's not new yet. Jesus, you know, Paul's gotta explain all that. Okay, but my point is, is it's more than just life after death. The Christian hope is resurrection. It's bodily, it's new. It's going through doors, it's eating fish. And the symbol, Jesus says, of this event, spiritual life coming into your life, giving you new affections, a deadness to the things that you used to love and slavery to the things that keep you depressed. That spiritual new birth, new spiritual resurrection called regeneration. When you believe in Jesus, you get forgiveness of sins. You get acceptance with God. You get the Holy Spirit in you. That came into the life of the early church and that comes into us. And that spiritual resurrection is what will take on a body. You're brand new and you'll keep going in this new state. It's so exciting. We're so excited to baptize five youth today at 1 p.m. Really excited about that. And baptism is this symbol that they're saying, I'm identifying with Jesus, that Jesus' death, like he died 
my old self and my sins died with him. He paid for my sin. And when they come out from the grave, it's like resurrection. I'm new spiritually. One day we'll be new physically and I'm with him. That's what you're identifying in baptism. And it's so exciting. It's why when the moment Christians believe they were baptized, because they're saying this happened to me, it was a covenant, right? If you're married, you have a ring on your finger. What is that? It's a symbol to your wife, to God, and to the world. I am with them. We are one. Baptism is the symbol. This happened to me. I'm a Christian. I'm publicly declaring I'm with God. Okay, why am I saying all that? Because you need to come to this baptism and support it. But I'm also saying this because I believe some of you were not planning on getting baptized today. Some of you were thinking, I might go to the beach. You didn't even know you were gonna come to church, but Jesus brought you here because he wants to save you today. He wants to give you spiritual resurrection. Some of you have been Christians for a long time and you've been putting off baptism and your heart's pounding right now because you know Jesus is saying, I'm talking to you and I love you and today you're gonna get baptized, okay? Just so you know, we don't believe in chance. So we got extra t-shirts made because we got cool new t-shirts, baptism t-shirts. So if you know Jesus just spoke to you and you're getting baptized and he's gonna save you today, come talk to me when you come and take communion. We're gonna give you a shirt and you're going to the ocean and you're gonna get baptized and it's gonna be so exciting, okay? So number two, we go and tell. We go and tell. Let me ask you this, how's it going on this? How's it going on this? When was the last time you just had this like urgency, like this running in your spirit to go, I just, I gotta tell him he rose. You know, like when was the last time you were like, I just am madly in love with Jesus. Like I want more of him. I want this resurrection life stirred up. Like they just had this, you know, like we gotta go. Like if you're anything like me, I'm like, okay, I gotta share my faith. Okay. What do I say? So I was getting a haircut. You can clearly see it's like army, army James. Um, new barber. So I'm always like, okay, hey, Holy Spirit, new barber. I got at least, you know, he's going to ask me, what do you do for a living? And I get to just tell him I'm a pastor. But on the way down the stairs from the hub, which if you know, is a long journey. Um, I was thinking, and I, God transformed me like halfway through. I was thinking at the top, oh, okay, I got to do this, like this burden. And then I was like, if you really believe like, what you're about to preach, you would be like, you get to talk about the resurrection. So I was like, by the, by the way down, I was like, boom, let's go, Barbara. What time? We're doing this. So, uh, and I did, I, I got to share my faith with him. I just said to him, look, if Jesus rose from death, it means everything Jesus said is true and your sins can be forgiven. You can find full acceptance before God. <laughs> he was like, oh, I was like, yeah, do you have any Christian background? He's like, I grew up Catholic and I believe God loves everyone. I was like, he does love everyone, but he did something about it to show you his love. Oh, nothing. But you know, I'm gonna go see him again. All I'm doing is telling you, we go and tell. That's the second point. Number three, the resurrection, the reaction of the resurrection, it calls us to worship Jesus as God. I, I hope that you find yourself by the spirit at times at night or in the morning going, okay, like Jesus is God. I will worship and revolve around something today and I hope it's worshiping God. Because everyone worships something, everyone finds praise and enjoyment 
and well-being, saying this will fulfill me. In the ancient world, they had worship of all kinds. They would worship, you know, beauty and fertility. They would worship all these kinds of gods. And they thought, I'll be happy, I'll be secure. If I sacrifice enough of my time to get wealth, then my life will have meaning. So they're worshiping. They worship pleasure. We're, we're worshipers. The Bible teaches that we were made in the image of God. And if the Bible's true, what that means is that you were made to enjoy God and reflect that into everyday life, into your creation. So you see God as a creator. He's good to me. I'm gonna be good to creation and be good to it. So we we're made to worship God and become reflectors of him. But when sin came into our lives, we worshiped ourselves, Romans 1 says, and not God. And we centered around ourselves and we push God, ignore God and live as if we get to be our own gods. But this changed the first century. Not only did they worship Yahweh anymore. They were like, Yahweh has come in, in Jesus Christ. So now Jesus is who we worship. Jesus is where we find security. Jesus is where we find pleasure. Jesus is where we find acceptance. Jesus is where I know my well-being is. And then they get an identity. Not only is Jesus taken away your wrong and sin, so you're not shameful. You're not a sinner. You're not whatever you've done. You're also not what's ever been done to you. You're Jesus. The Bible says Jesus lived a perfect life and when on the cross, he exchanges it for your sinful life. So when God looks at you, you're fully accepted. We talked about that last week, but this is the gospel. But let me tell you this, you were made for a relationship with God. You were made to worship him, to glorify him, to find joy in him being your treasure. 1 Peter 3, 18 says the resurrection and the death of Jesus was for that purpose. He says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? What's the purpose? That he might bring us to God. The greatest joy on that resurrection day was that Jesus was Christ was how they got to God that he was God himself. They could actually see all the law lived out in this man. And they got to worship Jesus. Just, you know, worshiping Jesus is wonderful. Like we really love him. Like he's so wonderful and he's here today. And if he's pounding on your heart, it's, that's a good thing. Conviction's a gift. He's like, I love you. And so Ben, you guys can come on up. We're gonna sing some more songs. We're gonna celebrate two sacraments today, which we're so excited, communion, which is the remembrance of Jesus' body and his blood broken for us. Why was it broken for us? So that he would bring us to God. And so when you take this, when you come and you're a Christian, and if you're like, I think I'm becoming a Christian right now and I need someone to talk to, I'll be up here. There's gonna be a whole prayer team up here. So if you're a part of that prayer team, please come up. I've also asked that prayer team, okay, while we're singing, if there's someone that they feel like the Holy Spirit wants to pray for, they're gonna come and approach you. So, you know, if you need to use the bathroom, that's be a good time. Um, you can go get your kids anytime. We love when they worship with us, but I wanna encourage you today. Listen, look right at me. This really happened. Like, don't leave this theater not doing something in your soul to Jesus for this moment. This really happened for you. When he came out of the grave, it meant it was finished. It really happened. And you, 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 there's evidence for it. And we're called to go share it. 
Again, millions of people right now, and we need to pray for our, our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka are experiencing worship, persecution because of this man and the claims he makes on your life. And I'd invite you, if you're not a Christian today, to believe in Jesus. And if you're still like, mm, I don't know, like you better be sure. I just, you better be sure. I mean, look at the evidence. He loves you. Do the exploration. This is the most important decision of your life. It is. It's the most important decision of your life. So, and like, so what you can't do, honestly, is you can't just shrug and laugh at it. And if you do, you'll be just taking your life in your own hands. If it's true, it's true. And it was done for you. And then if you love Jesus in here and it's been a long time and you're going, I miss him. He loves you. You're fully forgiven. Come take communion, celebrate him, get a plan to keep coming to church. Grab a Bible. If you don't have one, we'll give you one and start spending time with Jesus. Start studying this. We can help in all of that, but let's respond now. And if Jesus told you to get baptized, even if you've been a Christian, you haven't gotten baptized, you come after you take communion, come find me. I'm gonna give you a t-shirt and we'll see you at 1 p.m. at Ambleside Beach. It's gonna be freezing and awesome. Okay, let me pray and then we'll, well, you can stand now and we'll respond. Jesus, thank you so much that you really did rise from death. You really did come bodily. You really did satisfy the judgment that we deserve for our sin. And it was fully paid. And you have for thousands of years now been, been just moving and breaking in and coming further and further in your kingdom. And your word says that you are patient. You're, you're not willing anyone to perish. You're a God who says, I, I have your answer. There is a cure to cancer. And I just pray that those who are just going, well, I don't know, that you would minister to them because I can't and we can't and the music can't and the words can't do anything, only your spirit. So I ask in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit, you would bring spiritual resurrection for the glory of God and help us to feel how real you are right now. In Jesus' name, amen.